0: In a letter to the Hebrews, Paul says uh, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Okay, those who serve the tabernacle would be the Jewish priest. So, of course, the Jews who denied Christ's blood as sufficient would not be permitted to eat from our altar. What altar? We have altars? Jesus sacrificed himself once and for all. We don't need any more altars, right? That's an Old Testament thing. Richard Baxter, the Puritan minister, believed that this altar in Hebrews 13 was, and I quote, seems plainly to mean the sacramental communion. He says the naming of the table and altar as related to the representative sacrifice is no more improper than the other. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. The prophets foretold that God would make priests and Levites out of the Gentiles. And well, what do priests and Levites do? They lead worship in some sacrificial sense. Why would the prophets use this language of priests and Levites coming from the Gentiles if Christian worship wasn't in some sense sacrificial? Jeremiah, Malachi, and Isaiah all anticipate Gentiles, uh, a Gentile priesthood. For example, Isaiah sixty six twenty one 21 says this I will also take some of them for priests and Levites, says the Lord. This is speaking of the new creation, the new testament, the new covenant. Those whom God has taken for priests and Levites, they don't re sacrifice Christ at the altar. Rather, they along with the congregation make a sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is what Eucharist means. It means thanksgiving. And they represent or they, they show forth the once and for all sacrifice of Christ in the bread and the wine. And we all show forth this sacrifice by participating in the altar. And how do we participate in the altar? By eating the sacrifice. St. Paul asks, do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? So in its fullest sense, we too are offering ourselves. St. Augustine calls it uh, the total Christ. Offering ourselves before the Father uh, in this meal through Christ's perfect and once and for all sacrifice. It's a a display of uh, uh, Christ's death and us united to Christ in front of the Father so that he may accept our worship. And consider this, this seems strange, but consider this in the apocalypse, John says that Jesus is the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. And he sees a lamb as if it were slain in the throne room of God. He sees a lamb as if it were slain. Revelation 13 and five. Why is John seeing an image of a slain lamb? Isn't Christ resurrected? Isn't he ruling and reigning? Yes, he is resurrected. Yes, he is ruling and reigning. And yet, there is some sense in which Christ's sacrifice is one, transtemporal. It appears to transcend time in some sense. And then we see it after the resurrection, John, in the worship of heaven, there's an image of a slain lamb in the throne room of God, who is Christ. And here is now our image of. The slain lamb. Jesus institutes this meal at Passover. What do they do at Passover? They slay a lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. When I say uh, uh, Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed. I'm quoting Paul from 1 Corinthians who says this. Not that he's being re-sacrificed. He's been sacrificed once and for all. But we are receiving the benefits of that sacrifice by faith, by repentance, By the sacraments, by this altar, by this altar, which those who serve the tabernacle of the flesh and the world and the devil have no right to eat. So come and welcome to Jesus Christ.